Νομίζω κάνει φοβερή δουλειά στην Ομπονία. Είναι ένα καλό ταξί. Είναι ένα καλό ταξί. Είναι ένα καλό ταξί. Είναι ένα καλό ταξί. Είναι ένα καλό She said, you, I cry because you are here today. Ah, Welcome to a very special edition of the No Chofters podcast. I'm your host, Stel. I don't have Roy here. I don't have Chris here because it's past their bedtime. Chris is hungover <laughs> from the weekend. Roy is just knackered because he's a little bit younger than me. But, you know, this one doesn't drink or smoke. So, okay, I'll vape. But, you know, you know how it goes. But I've got a very special guest here. A gentleman that I've known for close to nine years, man. Fucking hell. He's the host of and owner, should I say, of the very popular Chronicles of Aguna, 20,000 subs on YouTube. Jesus Christ, Harry Simu. <laughs> Pile, what's going on, man? All good, man. Thanks for having me, man. Really, really appreciate it. And um, I have to get this out of the way before we start, because um, to be honest with you, Stell was the person that really made me think that I could make a podcast. No, genuinely, like genuinely. Um, you know, I'm going to start of... blushing now. Start fucking blushing. <laughs> no, 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 honestly, honestly, because like when you first start a podcast and stuff like that you it, it can be a little bit like a little bit demoralizing at the beginning when you're, you're really working hard but you don't really feel that um you know it's it's having that impact and and still was one of them people that was like keep plugging away keep plugging away and i'm really lucky that now it is what it is and i, I get to enjoy it and um and yeah so i have to say thanks to still first of all because um know, no 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 honestly because there's there's people that you meet people that they they make out that they they're your friends and they make out that they want you to do well but really they don't and really they're they're kind of like sitting there almost hoping that you fail and still is not one of those people man so um i just want to say thanks and really really appreciate all the advice over the years fucking hell man here's standing on you got chinese right? <laughs> i have i have honestly i have like redder than your fucking t-shirt it's, it's mad though because i i remember look, i've been doing podcasts since 2012 and i've told this Govenda time and time again <clears throat> and you're right, you, you do get your, your closest friends. They, they're very like, oh, this ain't going to go far. Like, do you really want to do this? It's going to take up a lot of your time, blah, 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 blah. And the thing is, when you start getting going and you gather some momentum, it's great. Like, you're looking at the viewing numbers and you're thinking, eh, actually, whatever, it is what it is. And then all of a sudden you get derailed, not because of, like, life in general, obviously kids, et cetera, et cetera, but... You look at other people. You start looking about what what other people are doing. You're thinking, shit, why are they doing big numbers? What? And that's that's the trap that I fell into when I first started doing podcasts. You know, back in 2012, you had man like KSI, you had you know Bazinga, and all these other YouTubers, and even like Joel from from Cheeky Sports smashing it. You think, why am I not there? But then as time goes on, you're thinking, well, 
their content isn't what I want to do. Not that it's bad. It's great. Don't get me wrong. Even, even now, I still watch like, you know, Sidemen and all that. But I'm not like that. Do you know what I mean? That's not me. So when you're trying to get back into it, you need that support from your friends. You need that support. And I'll never forget the time I was working in Wembley and you and I had a good vendor on the phone and you were saying to me, like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. This is 2017, I want to say. Mm. And I remember saying to you, right, just keep doing what you enjoy doing. Because at the end of the day, no one can tell you that your content isn't right. It's only up to you. You can adjust it to cater to a certain target market, but this is you. And I'm so proud of you there because I'll never forget you doing Sofa Sports News um, with DeLuca and, um, oh my God, fucking... And Alavi. Alavi, yeah. Yep. And, you know, you're doing it week in, week out. And, you know, you guys know your football. And I'm thinking, why isn't this guy, like, excelling? Why aren't you... And then you release the book, the Chronicles book. Or the, it was the Chronicles book, wasn't it? Because yeah, yeah, it was yeah, one yeah. season. It was Wenger's last season, wasn't it? Yeah, which I didn't um, know that when I started it. I was very lucky. Yeah, there. exactly. Well, I'll tell you what, let's, let's talk mm. about them. Let's talk about that then. Because mm. obviously you started Chronicles and then it so happened to be Wenger's last season. But you were doing a journal of that season, weren't you? Yeah, so I wanted... So basically, long story short, I was working um, in the banking industry. And I, I was in a job that I didn't like. I didn't enjoy. Um it was one of those things. I'm not going to say I regret doing that because, you know, it was a it was a solid job. It, it got me some stability in life in general. But there came a point where you're not, you know, you, you're not pushing yourself anymore and you're not enjoying what you're doing. And especially when I had kids, I think I or when I found out I was going to be a dad, I started to think, man, like I come home from work every day, miserable, like and and then you don't want to, you, you're not your best self for your kids because you're miserable. You just want to switch off and, and go to sleep and laze around. And, and there was no motivation. And so I decided that I wanted to try and, and do the book. Um, and I, I didn't really think that it would do anything. I didn't think that I'd even really finish it, to be honest. I was just in between meetings at work and stuff. I would start writing stuff. And, and what I did was, as you say, I put together like a journal, like a fan's account of the 2017-18 season, which turned out to be, which we only found out in the last few months, Arsene Wenger's last season with the club. And I tried really, really hard to try and get some, um, you know, people that were involved with with Arsenal or had profiles within the Arsenal world to try and help me publicise it a little bit. A lot of really helpful people, a lot of really unhelpful people as well um, along the way. and. In the end, um, a publisher agreed to publish it, basically. And um, I didn't think that it would do very well. It, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend it was amazing. Um, but it did much better than I thought it was going to do. And then that kind of gave me the boost that actually I, I can do something like outside of banking if I want to do it and, and really focus on it. And yeah, the book was the book was the start of it, really, to be fair. And um Yeah. Because I remember again when you were when you were writing it, you had some former players get involved in some way. Am I am I correct? Yeah. So I so I had um, Kevin Campbell um, agreed to to get involved. He agreed to um, do a little section for the book, but he also agreed uh, to help me with the promotion of it when it came out. Obviously, he's got a big social media following, and I can honestly say, of all the ex footballers I've now had the pleasure of meeting or working with Kevin Campbell is right up there. 
in terms of the best person, you know, whatever you need, any help he can give you, he'll do it. Um, and he genuinely wants you to succeed. So he was one. Ray Parler did an interview for the book as well. And for me, you know, that was that was a, a crazy experience because I grew up in that era of Arsenal's success. Ray Parler was right at the heart of that, you know, played a big part in the, the 2002 sides, the 98 side, um, was a part of the Invincibles as well. So he was, you know, there in all the sort of great moments. And he did an interview for the book as well, which was really, really cool. And, and that just added some credibility to something that ultimately had no credibility going into it. So, yeah, the ex-players thing definitely gave it a boost for sure. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about this podcast you've been doing then. You've got, as I said, you've got 20,000 subs. I see so much engagement um, on YouTube, especially when you're doing the lives. And the funny thing is I've got a friend, Darren, who, um, who co-hosts the D&D Footy Factory. He says, if I was a footballer, I'd love to play for Arsenal purely because of the fans on social media. They can destroy you, but they can hype you to the stars, <laughs> right? So first of all, tell me about this podcast because, I, as I said, you were doing Sofa Sports News before. You started an Italian football pod as well. Was it Simply Serie A? You were doing yeah. it at some point? Because you know you're Italian football as well. Yeah, I'm so sure. so Simply Serie A is going to come back. Um, I've... It's something that I, I really enjoy. I really enjoy Italian football. I always say this to my friends. If I wasn't an Arsenal fanatic, I'd probably spend more time watching Serie A than the Premier League. Something about it, I, I don't know if it's our generation still, but, you know, like when we were growing up, it was amazing. And but I've got history... 10 years on you. What are you talking about our generation? Yeah, I've got but... 10 years on you, man. Anyway, you know what I mean? <laughs> I was trying to be polite, but you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to call you Pachoyero, yeah. <laughs> But you know what I mean? People that grew up basically before the 2000s like really have a thing with Italian football, I think. The history of it, the magic of it. And um, so I'm hoping to bring that back in the new season with some some support from, from 90 Min, um, who I'm working with really closely now. So hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll get that back up and running. But the Chronicles of Aguna is, it was basically a continuation of the book. That's how it started. So it's a little bit different to a lot of other podcasts in that, it isn't a regular panel all the time. It's literally a, a lot of the time a, a sole voice. And that's my voice. It's me literally sitting there, used to be just turning on the microphone and just spilling out my feelings about Arsenal on any subjects, any games. Then it kind of developed a little bit to the point where we were getting guests. And we do do some shows in the week now with different panels. But I wanted it to be different to all the others. Like there's so many Arsenal podcasts out there that are a panel, the same panel every week. And that's great as well. But I just wanted to do something different. And it's basically the book in a, in a podcast format. And then it evolved from just audio to YouTube as well. And YouTube took it to another level because now I find it, well, it is much easier to do an hour show basically by yourself when you've got lots of brilliant people in the chat, um, you know, throwing questions at you, disagreeing with what you're saying, agreeing with what you're saying. Um, making you think and go down other routes of thought. There's so much that you can do with it. Um, and, and that's what it is today. Um, as you say, it's, it's grown really quick, um, quicker than I ever thought it would to a point beyond what I ever thought it would. And I'm really lucky that it's given me opportunities to do other things as well in the football space, which I'm, I'm really enjoying. You mentioned you're doing work with 90 Min at the moment and they're, they're huge, aren't they? They're huge. Now, what I want to know is, how have you managed to 
overcome the obstacle of challenges such as Arsenal Fan TV. And then obviously Troops has gone to do his own thing. DT, we're not going to mention him, but we know he went to do his own thing. Among other Arsenal YouTubers, because let's get it right. Arsenal, from a social media perspective, I think you guys, maybe and Liverpool, maybe United as well, are up there with the the most YouTubers out there, you know. So, hmm. how have you managed to keep the consistency to keep that, you know, your head above water, but also challenge these guys? As I mentioned, you got a big following. It's um, it's a hard one because I actually think that uh, with AFTV, listen, they, they do what they do. It's not my cup of tea, um, but they do what they do and they do what they do well. Okay, if it wasn't. If it wasn't well done, they wouldn't be at the pl- in the place they are at now with, what, one and a half million subs. Um, it's constantly growing. They put out a hell of a lot of content and and they keep pushing and fair play to them. But what I found as a little bit of a driver was to kind of, I wanted to to show people that not all Arsenal fans, and listen, on AFTV, there's a lot of good people. Don't get me, I'm not saying that all of them are bad, but there is a lot, of, there has been in the past more so than there is today, some I think actors, I don't know if you, if that's the right way to put it, but people that have played a game to grow their profile and people who have probably, when they've been feeling frustrated about something, have overblown that in order to try and get views and to try and and create a character that they can then live by and basically break into the space with. I think a lot of that is gone now from AFTV, but that stigma is still there. Like there is still, when you talk to a non-Arsenal fan, the first thing they say is, oh, what do you think about AFTV? If I had a pound for every time somebody asked me that question, I'd be a millionaire. So one of the things I want to do is I want to sh- I wanted to show that AFTV isn't all Arsenal fans, right? Not all Arsenal fans are like that. And there are Arsenal fans out there that are measured, that do think about things properly. Not everybody's going to agree with my opinions and my views, and that's fine. They don't have to. But I think as long as you can construct an argument well and you can back up your thought process, then I think that people ultimately will respect what you're doing. And if you keep doing that, you have longevity. There isn't a shelf life to that. But there is a shelf life to being crazy and screaming and shouting. And and so, you know, that's why, that's what I try to do. And it, I think that hopefully that's what I'm going to continue to do because I, I just think that people are over that stuff now. And um, and there's not really as much clamour for it as there was maybe two, three years ago. I don't know what you think about it. You, Dre, you do you know what? The, the funny thing is that that last bit that you said, just it lit a light bulb. It was like that light bulb moment. Do you know what I mean? Do you, mm. you know, you're probably too young to remember this, but the uh, mid to late 90s, you had South Park. It blew up <laughs> on the scene, didn't it? Yeah. You know, Cartman, Killing Kenny, Jesus, Kanye West, whatever, right? <laughs> and... Um, uh, it became very, very popular because it went against the grain. They said a lot of things. There are a lot of things that you wouldn't be able to do now. No fucking chance. Yeah. Right? But it was massive. And that was, again, round about the time when the WWE had their attitude era. Again, going against the grain. And I think something similar has occurred with AFTV when they hit their peak. You know, no one was doing that. You saw troops effing and blinding. You saw DT shouting. Robbie obviously standing there with a the mic, laughing his ass off. You tie, and and that's got a ceiling. And I think they've reached that ceiling. And that's probably why Robbie's gone to do his own thing now. Obviously, there's a lot of controversy with things that happen in the background with various people and 
you know, the fans get turning on them, etc., etc. You could, you know, you could write a book about AFTV and yeah. the shenanigans that have occurred, but um, it's been successful, as you said, and you can't, as much as people despise it, you can't deny that they have kind of been game changers because we've seen fans of other clubs try to do something similar and it hasn't worked. Granted, you've got Goldbridge who did the United stand and now he's gone on to do talk sport, but he wasn't like AFTV. He was very reactive, but he had a little bit extra to his character. He had a little bit extra to, he isn't just watching a United game. He was doing the, the FIFA stuff. He was doing his own, yeah. kind of like you in the sense that he was doing his own, it was on his own, right? Mm. Um, but I just think now, as you said, people are bored of that. They want to be educated and it's like, show me something that hasn't been done before. And then something new is going to happen and everyone's going to start pointing to that. That's the way that media evolves. Yeah. And let's get it right. Media is just so fragmented now. It's not like back in the day where you had, you know, okay, in the UK, we had BBC One, BBC Two, ITV, Channel 4, then Channel 5. Now you've got everything. You've got Twitch, YouTube, TikTok now. It's, 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 there's so much content available. So to stand out and to be up there... It's very difficult. And I'll tell you what, I'm, this is a segue to my next, um, uh, I guess, uh, topic. You know, you mentioned people getting fed up with, you know, the way that people behave. You have kept true to yourself. You kept your content to the way that you want it to be. And as a result, you've done work with the BBC, with TalkSport. If you were go, if you went down the route of, say, those people that we mentioned before and perhaps other Arsenal YouTubers, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing now. You wouldn't be getting that, you know, uh, attention. You wouldn't be invited on these shows because what you're doing is, okay, they'll say it's clean cut. But the way I see it is that you know what you're talking about. And let's get it right. You have been a little bit angry on some of your pods. Of course. You know, yeah, that's yeah, normal supporters. Of course, yeah. And, and that's the way I've always looked at it. I've always looked at it like my goal is to work not just on my own podcast, but in other media sort of, areas and that's what I've always wanted to do so I don't want to be a guy that you look at and say no I can't have him on because he might do something that is going to jeopardize our show or is going to jeopardize you know our reputation and I've I've worked really really hard to make sure that I don't fall into that trap even though I've come out of the stadium fuming at times and wanting to you know really lash out on something or someone and you know but you've got to you've got to be able to control that and you know that doesn't mean that you're less passionate or that you don't care or you don't feel it or you don't feel the pain as much as other fans do you just have to learn to channel it and you know one of the things that happened to me at the start of the year um which you know a few months ago I wouldn't have even wanted to talk about it but was um was uh, I got involved in a debate with some Liverpool fans online. Oh, this um, is where they pulled up your tweets from the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, bruv. So I, basically, long story short, I I tweeted something along the lines of, do you remember when Liverpool had the Carabao Cup game with Arsenal postponed? And it, the, the the line was they had the COVID, 12 wasn't it? suspected cases or whatever. They got the game cancelled and the next day they came out and said, oh, you know, 11 of the 12 were false positives, if you remember. And I said something along the lines of, well, in order to have the game postponed, they probably should have had to prove the cases as opposed to have been able to get it postponed on the basis of sus suspected ones. 
And a load of Liverpool fans piled on, piled on, piled on. Some of them went back through my tweets to... Some of them were when I was 16, uh, 20, 17 years old. 2012, yeah. right? like, yeah, some of them tw- were. Twitter started. Yeah, Twitter exactly. had been around like two years. And, and they were tweets that I'd sent to my friends when I had no followers. Um, you know, things like, I think I said, F off you scousers, um, you know, which you would say that in a football stadium, particularly in those days. And it didn't mean that I hated everybody from Liverpool. Like, or it wasn't coming from that place. But obviously when you've, when something like that is, is found online, that was it. The pylon came. And for me, I'm honestly going to say that that was those three, four days after was probably the lowest I've ever been because you feel like you've worked so, so hard for the last five years and some idiots come along and found something that, you know, I, I held my hands up. It was wrong. I shouldn't have tweeted it, but somebody is going to basically try and paint you in a picture that is not accurate to today. Yeah. I'm not the same guy that I was when I was 18 as I am now at 31 Bro, with two kids. And... Any, anyone, exactly. If you're still the same person as you were when you're 18, then you've got a problem, yeah. like a mental problem as far as I'm concerned, because people evolve and we, yeah. we educate ourselves. Do you know what I mean? We see things, we, you know, you, you travel, you meet new people, you know, mm. The world evolves, and if you don't move with the times, then you're going to get stuck in the right. And I tell you, when it happened to you, I felt so sorry for you because, you know, I I know what it's like. I had it myself. I had it myself mm. at the end of December before New Year. You know, with with an upworld player, and that was fucking laughable. And I, I laugh back at it now because it was like Jesus. This guy had to make up a lie to 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 try and knock me down. You know, because, all right, I poked the tiger a little bit with, with some memes and some photoshops. And, you know, he, he messaged me and I took a screenshot of the message and then I kind of did a photoshop with that. And then what he said could have got me killed, you know, to, to say I said this and that and yada, yada. And I had people in my DMs threatening me. We're going to do this to you, this and that. And I'm like, right, I need to get my solicitor involved. Fortunately, my boss is a, is a lawyer. And we, we dealt with it the best way that we could. And the thing is, even though he didn't admit to being in the wrong, the message that he, he sent to me was basically, I don't give a fuck like what you do. And that, it, well, that was enough for me to say he knew he fucked up, but he just doesn't want to say it. But anyway, listen, it, it is what it is. Like, I've got no grudges towards the guy. I blame myself as well because I shouldn't have taken it to yeah. another level. But to But for him to turn around and say, I said all of these personal things about him and some country I couldn't even fucking find on the map. For me, that's low. But to be fair, I had a lot of Abu fans saying, you're not like that. We know you're not like that. My boss was cool about it. There's so many people that that said, you know, that's not yeah, you. you that, that, that was the thing as well. Like until I started to speak to people, like, because for me, the, the first thing was, oh my God, I finally got myself into a position where this is my job. Like my job now is to talk about football and it's all going to go away. Like nobody's going to want to use me anymore. Nobody's going to want to book me anymore. And like, as I gradually started to have the conversations with people, like some of my bosses at 90 Min, you know, obviously what I what I tweeted was wrong, um, but they were understanding of the fact that this was a hell of a long time ago before I had any profile whatsoever. And, you know, it's not a reflection of who I am now or the person that they've been working with for the last few years. And then I spoke to TalkSport and TalkSport were like, you know, 
it's well, we're not saying it's mate, right. No, but, dis- no disrespect, yeah. yeah. But Talksport have got a lot of people on their show who've said and done a lot worse. Yeah, exactly that. that. Right, but at know? the time, and and I know that now. But at the time, you don't think that way. At the time, of you just not. think of like everything because gone. you're thinking you're up and coming, whereas yeah. these people they're established. You yeah, know, yeah. no disrespect. They're gonna say, well, who's Harry Simeon in compared to in comparison to Trevor Sinclair? You know, you haven't yeah. played in a World Cup. You haven't played for Man City and West Ham. So, of course, in your mind, you're thinking, I've worked my bollocks off to get this far. And then you've got some people trawling through old tweets. And the thing is, it's like they get satisfaction from trying to cancel you, you know? I remember that people put out tweets, oh, he's he's uh, he's deactivated. We've won. I'm like, he's deactivated because he doesn't want all these fucking alerts. He'll be back. Doesn't yeah. he? <laughs> I mean, fucking idiots, man. No, that's it. And, and you just, like, what I take away from it is... And, and I guess the reason it was so hard to take was because I knew that you could have gone through the last few years when I've been working in this job and I've been very, very careful. Um, so to know that I had been careful then, but you've caught, you've gone back to try and catch me out was, it was like, why would someone do that? Why would someone try and take your career down? That's what really over a debate about a game of football. That's what really got to me. But, you know, I've learned a lot from it. Like, I'm not going to say, um, I'm completely over it because, you know, I got invited on on something Liverpool based the other day, and I just said, "Look, mate, I, I'm not I'm not interested in having a load of Liverpool fans piling on me. Like, I'm sorry, but I, I, I'm not going to do it um, because why would I want to bring it all up again? Like, it's not helpful to me. Um, but you know, you you also learn who your friends are at a time like that. There was people that I thought I was very close to within the industry if you like that actually now um i haven't even got the time of day for like i wouldn't even i wouldn't even pick up the phone if they called me now because of not because i I don't expect everybody to go online and be like you know getting themselves into the firing line in order to defend you but i also don't expect people to go around chatting about you behind your back and all of that stuff and there was a bit of that and there was someone i'm not going to obviously name names that tried to use the opportunity to cash in and take a role that had just been offered to me um, and and use that as their way in. And, and that was something that I was really sort of annoyed and disappointed about. But then, you know, once the calls started coming again and, you know, TalkSport were very upfront with me, they said, look, we'll keep you off air for a week, let it die down a bit, and then we'll go back to normal. And now I'm doing more shows there than I've ever done. And, you know, and as the calls started coming in again for all the other different places, then you you kind of just move on from it. But it was really, really tough, man. And um, and it's just it, it's like I look at so I've always looked at social media as a really good thing because of all the opportunities it's given me. But it can really easily be a bad thing as well. And it can really be like, you know, something that's a, a negative on your mental health for sure. Oh. Absolutely. And that's another thing I wanted to ask you. How did that affect you from the point of, you know, as you said, you felt like shit. You're thinking, what's happening? I mean, you're married with kids. Obviously, that's going to have an effect on you as well. You know, you're you're with your little ones and you can't focus on spending time with them because you're too busy worried about your phone buzzing. I'm I'm guessing you put your phone on silent for a good few hours or or just turned it off. But obviously, you've got family and friends that want to see how you're doing, etc., etc. So, how did that take its toll on you as well, man? Uh, yeah, that that's the worst bit because people are calling you to see how you are because they genuinely care, but you don't want to go over it 101 times. Like You just don't want to keep talking about it. But by that same token, I can't say I switched off from it because I kept searching my name to see what they were saying about me. Like 
you you can't switch off from it and um and i remember i i sort of i put out an apology for the tweet because there was tweets that i did say and there was a few that i didn't as well um there were some tweets that people had doctored if you like uh, to try and make me seem worse and to try and continue the kind of tear down and I, I don't know like someone i work with said to me like when i put out an apology i did say you know i apologize for what i what i said and you know this doesn't represent what i am today but equally i'm not going to have people putting bullshit tweets out that i didn't say and a, a few people kind of said to me well you know you kind of just poured more oil on the fire there because then people were going, oh, that's not a proper apology, blah, 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 blah. By the end of the day, that's me. I'm I'm that type of person. If you come at me, I'm going to, I'm going to fight back. And if I'm, you know, if I was, if it was only tweets that I did write, then yeah, the apology would have been very, very different. But when you're writing tweets, apparently that I've said this and that about certain people, it just, you know, for me, I couldn't take, I couldn't, I was angry at the time. Maybe if I did it now, I would, if I had to apologize for it today, I might have written it differently. But at the time I was still a as angry as I was sort of disheartened. And, and, you know, that's just, just the way it came out. But then once you go on your own thing and like, I think the good thing I did was the first thing I did back was I did Chronicles of Aguna. Right. And the comments was literally full of people being like, come on, man, like, we know you're not like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that kind of gave me the thing that, yeah, there's a loud, there's loud people on social media that are just constantly there, but that's not always the majority. And that kind of opened my eyes to that. And then you begin to, to move past it and just get on with it. Did you get, did you get much abuse on that show? Cause I remember you doing one. It was literally a few hours after, after everything kicked off in it. Mm. And you did it to address it. I can't remember if you got some abuse. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because perhaps as you said, it was the best thing you could have done, not just for the reasons that you gave, but also it gave people the opportunity to vent, to, to let it out. And then that was pretty much it for a week or so, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, even now that you'll get the odd person, if I do something that will pop up and say, you know, well, why have you got this guy on? And he said this in January, 2012 about this. And you still get that from time to time, but it's over time, there's less and less of it because these people, they just look for anything to jump on and someone else will have done something somewhere else that they will now feel is is their priority to, you know, keep highlighting. So you end up um, you end up in a situation where you kind of start to become a little bit more immune to it. Like if I see a comment now, it, it does get to me a little bit for a few seconds. I'm not going to lie, but I know that it's just the odd idiot here and there now. And, and I'm kind of like... I've hardened off to it. I don't, I don't sit there and overthink it anymore. But yeah, there was a lot of abuse at the time. And the first time I went back on 90 min, the first time I went on talk sport, you, you feel nervous because you're thinking yeah. like, I've just spent, you know, I've just had this awkward conversation with my employers about this. And the last thing I want now is it for it to keep coming up and them to have yeah. to keep thinking about it and keep considering it. So when it goes away, you're obviously grateful for that, but it will never completely go away. There'll always be yeah. someone that will come out with it, and it is what it is. Well, yeah, to be honest, man, I mean, look, I, I don't think he will mind me bringing this up. You know, Rodri is a is a good mm. friend of mine. He's a fantastic friend of mine. You know, we've been mates for, for many, many years, and you know the story. Um, and he still gets it. He still gets it to this day. 
You know, he, he might put out a tweet and then you read the responses and you'll get, oh, yeah, but your brother did this. And I'm like, people just, like, they've got nothing better to do. That's exactly this it. Is, this is what cracks me up. I'm like, do you, do you go on social media just to give people abuse? Is your life so irrelevant that you have nothing better to do? That when you see someone put up a tweet, oh, I remember something that he said like 15 years ago or something that happened 20 years ago. I'm just going to bring that up. I mean, it, it just, it's beggar's belief. It really is. And the thing is, it happens. It happened to me. It happened to you. It happened to Carlo Garganese. I don't know if you saw that as well. Mm. Carlo that, that hosts yeah, yeah. Um, the Italian football pod. For crying out loud, he put out a tweet about Kulisevsky a few months ago. And Kulisevsky puts out this Instagram video with a, a clip tweet about, okay, obviously Kulisevsky didn't make the video. Someone someone did. And I'm like, why? why is this? What's this problem? Like, you're a grown man footballer. You're making millions. Why do you have to put in the, the amount of shit that Carlo got? And I messaged him and said, mate, give it a couple of weeks and then people are going to forget it. Yeah, you're going to get more people messaging you from time to time about it, but no one's really going to give a shit. And to be honest, as fucked up as this sounds, it's free publicity. Like people are going to start listening to your show just for the outlandish thing that you said or something that was done before. It's, it's weird. It's weird that it works out, man. The, the thing is as well, like, and... This is this incident has kind of changed my outlook a lot because I would have quite happily gone through Twitter, seen a tweet that I thought was probably unfair on my club, and I would have responded to it. Now, I never used to go on there and be like, You're an effing this, and you're an, but I would respond to it. And, and I think when you've got a big following, and I'm not saying I have, but when you're a footballer like Dejan Kulusevsky, I think you've got to be mindful of what you're about to unlock. Because you're about to open a chest of shit that is going to come flying at this person. And it might not impact you. And you might think it's funny. And you might think it's a bit of a laugh. But that person is going to get a shit ton of abuse. And you don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know what they're like mentally. You don't know what an impact that's going to have on them. And now, honestly, I'm completely different still. When I go through Twitter, if I see something I disagree with, I might have in the past gone, you know what? I'm going to comment on this. Now I don't. I just ignore it. I just I just literally go past it. It's because, not worth the hassle. No, it's not worth it's, the hassle. The it's not worth effect. the hassle. Worth it. But it's also not worth what you might put someone through and you don't have a clue where they're at. Like you don't have a clue what you're putting them through. You don't have a clue of what the impact's going to be. And I think as a footballer, as a big influencer, as any of those things, you got a responsibility to not start pylons on people because... You you might be able to take it, but you don't know if they can. And imagine having that on your conscience. My God, I don't think I could live with myself. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you a very quick story. Um, a few days ago, actually, um, I was on TikTok. And TikTok is probably more toxic than, um, than Twitter, believe it or not. And um, someone put up a comment on a video that I did. And do you know what? It, it was a comment that really wouldn't have rattled me any other day. But I was having such a fucking shit day. And I saw this comment. I was like, do you know what? Let me do a bit of research here. I checked the guy's profile. I saw he's got this profile photo. I then found out he's got an Instagram profile. And on his Instagram profile, he had the name of the club that he plays for at youth level. And the thing is, you know the job that I do, right? I know various people in the game. And it happens to be that I know the technical, the, sorry, the, uh, the head of the academy that he plays for. And I sent him a message. I'm like, mate, have a word with this kid because he doesn't know who he's talking to. 
right? Give him a bit of a have a. I didn't like say no, have a go at him. I just said, listen, he, this is what he sent me. I don't really appreciate this kind of abuse. It's completely like unprovoked as well. It's not as if I was like poking the tiger, but it, and then within like twenty minutes, I get a DM on on Instagram from the lad saying, "I'm really sorry." So I'm like, mate, listen, I appreciate your you you were being man enough to apologize. You know, it's done. It's in the past, but you need to be careful because you don't know who you're messaging. You know, obviously it's a small yeah. world, but I could be just anyone. People see me on, on camera, like same with you. And they think, ah, oh, it's just some push English or some Charlie that's just doing all these videos. But I work in the game, man. Like I, I, there are so many people that I know in the industry would be in, in football, in broadcast media, same with you, you know. You don't know who you're, who you're receiving messages from, which is why I'm very mindful as to what I say and what I do. Yeah, I've yeah. learned a lot in the past couple of years, especially with, with Cypriot football and, and Cyprus in general. You've got to be very careful who you talk about, whatever, because this one is Gumbaro with that one and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> I didn't realise how, how small Cyprus was until I started doing this pod. You know, I've had people messaging me saying, oh, you said this about that player and he's related to this one who follows you. And he went and told him like, oh, bruv, like this is this is football, man. You've got to be thick skinned. But at the same time, was I being a little bit over the top? Yes. But at the same time, my sense of humour differs to the sense of humour that they're yeah. used to. So it, it's, it's very difficult. It's very, very difficult to find that balance, to be popular, to be putting out the content that suits people and caters to what they want. And there's that other line where below, where it's like, fuck, if you do one thing wrong, boom, that's it. Finished. Yeah. I, do do think, I, mean? I do think people are starting to... Um, I think we got into this territory, particularly in England. I don't know what it was like in Cyprus, but we got to this point quite recently where you could not and probably still cannot say anything you cannot have an opinion that goes against the grain without getting some form of abuse and so people are almost scared to have that and what I've noticed is that although when you say something that is on the line of unacceptable in some people's eyes you will get loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of people coming at you there are just as many people that are sitting there thinking back off like what the hell's wrong with you like that's his view it's fine but they're just not vocal about it because they know that they're going to get a pile on and they know it could jeopardize something that they're doing and and that's where we're at now so i think that there's a lot more mature people out there than we think there is and i found that out with my situation when i was speaking to people that i thought would be like oh no we're not going to use him anymore they were like look i'm not saying what you did was right and i completely agree what i did was wrong but they were also like, I'm not going to really let that change my opinion of you based on one tweet that you put out, you know, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, 12 years ago, whatever it was. So that's that's the thing as well. I think like that that maturity needs to be there. Um, and, and I think it is there with a lot of people, but nobody wants to come out and say it because of the shit that they get as a consequence. It's, it's incredible, isn't it? There's so much shit going on in the world. You've got a war going on in Ukraine. Exactly. Right? We've got, we've got fucking literally close to famine in the UK right now, the way that things are, man. So many food banks everywhere, people unemployed, yeah. and, you know, and people are just more worried about Love Island and, and shit yeah. like that. It just shows you the fucking priorities of what's going on in the world. But anyway, listen, we, we've spoken about this in quite detail. Like, I never realised that we could go this far. But... um. Let's, let's talk about Arsenal then, Ray. Um, your beloved Arsenal. Now, I know you're very, um, what's the word, calculated in your <laughs> analysis of Arsenal. Let's put it that way. And there are many people that believe Arteta is in the right man. Mm-hmm. 
the funny thing is, when I look at the way that Arsenal fans talk about Arteta, the in-out, shake-it-all-about kind of people, it's very similar to Cypriot football, you know? And we had Henningberg at Omonia, won the league. Okay, he, we were awarded the league in the first season. Second season, we won it. Um, and lo and behold, halfway through the season, he sacked because results were shit. We, we fell out of the top six. And we brought in Neil Lennon, that's won the cup. Is The fan behaviour when Berg was going through a really difficult time reminded me of the Wenger days of Arsenal, you know, because Wenger got so much stick from Arsenal fans and Berg was getting so much stick from Ammonia fans. And it was almost like 60-50 in the sense that 60% of people wanted him gone, but 60-40, so 60-50. Yeah. I was shit with my maths. 60-40 in the sense that 60% wanted him gone, 40% wanted him to stay. It was very similar to that with, with Wenger, wasn't it? Yeah, the thing is with with this whole fan behavior thing, it's like I think it's fundamentally lost on a lot of us what our role is as supporters. Like we're supporters, a supporter supports and gets behind their club. And I'm not saying that you have to blindly agree with every decision that they make or that you have to support every decision that they make. But I do think you have a responsibility, especially when you're at the game to go there and get behind your team and support and create an environment that gives your team, your players, the greatest chance of succeeding on the day. And one of the things that used to get on my nerves at the back end of the Wenger days was that whenever we weren't playing very well, the crowd would be moaning and they'd be groaning and they'd be complaining. And, and what that did was just transmit this really shit energy onto the pitch as well. And you could just feel it within the stadium. And one of the reasons I'm I'm actually okay with, with where we are at now and what we're doing now is that I feel like that's changing a little bit. Like I felt like last time, uh, sorry, last season at Emirates Stadium, there was so much more support for the team. And I think that helped. Our, our home record was much, much better. We got better results. Okay, we missed out on the top four. Nobody gave us a chance in hell of being in the top four at the start of the season. I did. There, you did. I did. Not many, not many, not many Arsenal fans did. But now the same Arsenal fans are saying, oh my God, fifth is, an, is a disaster of a season. Like, it's just flip-flop behaviour. And like you said, Henningberg, first year, Omonia get the title, second year, obviously he wins it. And then after a short, well, I don't know how short exactly it was, but after a relatively January. short, bad spell, he's gone. Well, it's, it's too mm, reactionary. Yeah, the thing is, I, I think with I don't know. To be honest, I don't know what the atmosphere was like at Arsenal when Wenger was there. But from what I understand, under Emery, inside the club, the players were taking the piss out of the guy. Mm. That's from what I I understand anyway. And Arteta's obviously come in and he's shaken things up. You know, getting rid of Aubameyang, Guendouzi, uh, Ozil. Personally, I think he's done really well getting rid of a lot of bad eggs. Um, and changing the the ambience, so to speak, in, in yeah. the dressing room. And as you mentioned, the results have been good. And he's, he's playing a lot of younger players who are hungry. Okay, it, it, it will take time to turn around. But I think he's doing a, a good job. You can only play with the hands you've been dealt with. But tell me something. A lot of people are saying, oh, well, you know, Arsenal spent big last summer and they, they fell out of the Champions League. Was it that much of a disaster that you, you didn't qualify for Champions League given the circumstances? All right, albeit you spent you spent big in the summer. I think the thing that hurt was that it was Tottenham that got there ahead of us. <laughs> right. <laughs> Honestly, I do I do think that that's what has made it seem 
to Arsenal fans like more of a disaster than it probably actually was. I think had United finished above us, given what they did in that summer, Ronaldo, Varane, Sancho, people would have just put their hands up and said, you know what, they're better than us. You know, they finished second the season before. They brought in some really good signings and you'd have just said, okay, we're not there yet. But because Tottenham had the turmoil that they did, they sacked Nuno Espirito Santo. They had to change managers midway through the season. There was lots of stuff with Conte. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? He was coming out and sort of giving mixed messages. It looked like Tottenham were in a mess. And then when you see the position we were in and the fact that we then surrendered it, it was really, really hard to take and hard to process. But I always said during the season that when we look back once the dust has settled, we'll actually see that there was a fair amount of progress there from Arsenal. Signings that people laughed at when we made them, you know, ourselves included. Ramsdale. I mean, I remember when we signed Ramsdale thinking, if we've got £25 million to spare here, why the hell haven't we gone and signed the central midfielder? And instead, we went and bought a goalkeeper who, at the time, I don't think many people believed was an upgrade on Bern Leno. So that was one. There was the Ben White signing. You know, there was question marks. Did we slightly overpay for him? Probably. But he had a, a good season overall. Odegaard, when people were clamouring for James Madison last summer, we got Martin Odegaard in and he had a great season and James Madison didn't until, what, the last few weeks of the campaign. So I think what Arsenal have done is almost earned the right now to say, back the hell off us for at least another summer and let us continue with what we're doing because the progress is clear to see. If we had been steadily in fifth throughout the season, it would have been read very, very differently. But because of the way we kind of surrendered it, it's put a negative downtone on on everything that we've done. And, and I hate that. You know, I think that football is something that should bring you joy and is something that should be your hobby and your love. Why would you actively want to be angry about stuff that really is not worth being angry about? I, yeah, I, I don't right. get that. Like, if it was a disaster, I'd say it was a disaster. And you've known me for long enough to know that if I don't like something or don't agree with something at the club, I'll say it. <laughs> but because I, I genuinely think that we are doing a lot of the right things now behind the scenes and moving in the right direction, I get called Arteta's lawyer or somebody who's begging for a job at the club. This is the kind of comments I get on a daily basis. And it's just like, yeah. I just don't look to be angry for no reason. That's all. That's literally yeah. it. Mate, I know what you mean. And do you know what? There's another person who I'd like to bring up very quickly. Um, Frimpon. Right, yeah. Frimps love him to bits, man. Like he's he's hilarious. His his content is fantastic. But I'll tell you what, he started off doing videos talking about Arsenal, talking about the club. I'm sure he was getting people saying, "Oh, you just want a job at the club." Well, look, he's working for the club now. You know, yeah, exactly. so exactly you know, what, what's, what's the problem? What's the problem? You're doing something that you love. This is the thing, and you're not putting a gun to twenty thousand people's heads and saying, "Right, you got to tune in." If you don't want to tune in, don't. If you do, great. Thank you for your support. That's that's how it should be. But I don't know, man. Maybe my thought yeah. process is no. You, you you're right. There's there's one guy on my uh, on my Twitter that he literally can't stand me. Everything I say, he disagrees with, and he goes to the effort every single day of listening to the show, taking quotes from it, and then tweeting them and having a go at me about them. And I'm like, mate, you don't have to listen. Like nobody's putting, as you said, a gun to your head. And telling you to listen, but you still do it anyway. So, like, it just goes to do, show. Do you think it's a grown man doing it? Do you think it's a grown man on like a, a teenager school or something? I some don't shit? know. I hope it's not a grown man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
for his family's sake. I hope he's not a grown man, but I don't know to be honest. Because it's always these people with anonymous accounts. Like, you don't know what their yeah. actual name is. You don't know what they look like. You know, it's, it's really easy to be a warrior behind a keyboard, isn't it? Of course. It? But, of course. Yeah. What about when you go to games, though? Do you get people talking to you, coming up to you and all that? Yeah, yeah. Um, more so in the last, more so last season. Obviously, the season before there was the COVID stuff. The seasons prior to COVID, the podcast wasn't as big, and you know you get the odd one come up to you and say hi. But now, yeah, it's re- it's really nice. Like, go to the game, you get a few people come up to you, um, you know, shake your hand, say thanks for the content, or you know, want to have a little chat, and it's great. It's, it's nice because it's nice to feel it's not that you're you're after recognition but it's nice to know that your content is reaching people and that they're they're appreciative of it it's, it's a motivation yeah all right. the, the first person that ever told me that they got approached uh was god rest his soul chig who uh, mm. had the guna eagle eye podcast and i remember i'll never forget the time he told me he goes i was on the tube bounds green station i think it was on the piccadilly line and he goes someone just came up to me on the tube he goes Oh, you're you're a chick. Like, yes. <laughs> no, what what do you do? Like what 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 do you do when someone comes up to you? You're thinking to yourself like, no one watches this. Like, okay, no one that you know that you're gonna see in the street, but you don't yeah. realize. I mean, fucking, you know, I hate to bring bring this back up, but you know, when we went to the cup final in in Cyprus, people were coming up to us in the street, in the stadium, just wanting to take photos and and talk to us, and it was just like, my my hair stood on end because you're thinking, fucking hell, like. You know, we're, we're just we're just normal human beings, but you're getting this adulation and this and this love and this support, and you're thinking, Jesus, like, I I, I appreciate it so much, you know, yeah, I appreciate it sure. so much. It's it's crazy, man. It's crazy. No, but, um, yeah, for sure. And and the 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 one time I was really shocked was um, when someone come up to me was when I was in Cyprus just before COVID. I was sitting eating somewhere at Finigues in Larnaca. And some geezer literally came up to me and I was like, bloody hell, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on holiday, man. <laughs> it wasn't Grigori, was it? By any chance? He's on no, 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 it wasn't. it wasn't. It was actually an English guy. That's why I found it so weird because I was in right. Cyprus and an English guy came up to me. It's like... <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, man. Well, look, we've done this for almost an hour. I'm not going to take up too much more of your time because obviously, you know, I'm his Ibn man. I'm his nanai. Thank you again for, for jumping on. I, I want to quickly talk about Anorthosi, the club that you support. Okay, you say support, but they're your they're your Cypriot team, and I know you're not a, a huge Cypriot football fan. But um, yeah, tell me. Well, listen, I, I I've got no problem, man. I've got no problem. I've got no problem with that. No, you know, go on. Support, you know? So <laughs> tell me this 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 support for this club of yours. Where did it come from? Do you follow them much? Do you know much about them? How they're getting on, etc., etc. I've got to be honest, I don't know much about where they're at now. Um, <laughs> I don't know much about sort of the ins and outs of it. Um, I've got to be honest, it's one of those things where, like, as you say, it, I've never really been into Cypriot football. Um, I have tried to get into it at various points, but I've just never been able to kind of stick with it. A lot of the reason being that you can't really watch it in England or you couldn't in years gone by, like... Mm you couldn't get access to it. Like now we've yeah. got IPTV and things like that. And you can, if you really want it, you can find it. Fire stick. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. In oh, the past, you, you, you couldn't get that access to it. And so I found it hard from England to be like really involved yeah. and invested in it. The reason I, I say when people ask me who I support is Anorthosi is because some of my cousins uh, in Cyprus support them. 
when I used to come to Cyprus, they used to take me to the games. Mm. Um, I went to the stadium a few times, um, you know, and things like that. And 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 that's literally why, like I, I say them, but I, I don't, you know, like when they, it comes to European competition, I want to see all the Cypriot teams do well. Um, you know, I'm very all much, of them, all of them, all of them, all of them. All okay. of them, honestly, because I don't have no skin in the game, man. I, I really don't. And um, <laughs> one of the things that I, I, I'll be honest, we're on a Cypriot football podcast, so why not be honest? One of the things that put me off Cypriot football when I was younger is the politics. Uh, that, uh, that for me, it, it put me off it when I was younger because I feel like football is football. And I feel like mm-hmm. there was too much emphasis put on the other side of it. And yeah. I get that, but it just, it never appealed to me because I, I couldn't get my head around it as a young kid. Like, you know, you say Dexios, you say Aristeros, whatever. Yeah, you, yeah, I, I yeah. couldn't, like for me, all of that was, was, and I'm not saying it's a, you know, to, there's people out there that are very passionate about it. But to me, I, I never understood it and I couldn't get my head around it. And I used to have family members saying to me, you know, you can't support them because of this and that. Mm-hmm. And I, the truth is, I don't really support any of the clubs. I just want them to do well um you know this was a present from a cousin of mine that's why i've got it and and, and it is yeah. what it is man but listen i just want to see cypriot football doing well i traveled when was it not last year the year before uh or was it a few years it might have been three or four years ago now i traveled up to scotland to watch cyprus against scotland okay um cyprus got a late equalizer and made it 1-1 and we went literally crazy in their way and then <laughs> scotland went down the other end and scored and one two one um so yeah listen i, I love you know i love cyprus uh, i want to go as much as i possibly can and i want all the teams to do well but it's 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 a, a casual fandom mm. if you like and nothing understandable more there's a comment here arsenal to face on one in the europa league it could happen it could happen because we've got a Europa League playoff. Um, we have obviously uh, the draws have been major, but we're guaranteed um, conference league. But this season coming, there's one, two, three, four, five separate teams potentially in Europe. Uh, a Bolon Champions League, same with Ajax, because there's two separate teams Champions League mm-hmm. got out. Um, Apoel and Aris, who got promoted last season, but they've got a Ukrainian owner and they've spent big. Um, and they, they finished fourth above your boys. They beat them on the final day to get um, top four. Which, to be honest, with Anorthos, it's, uh, you, it, was, it was a strange season for you guys because you started off well. Amir Vada came in, you started off really well. And then it kind of like fell off a little bit uh, during the European group stages because that, that's normal. That's, that was always going to happen when you're putting so much emphasis on that. And then um, you got rid of two of your, your, two of your strikers. One of them was uh, Ketspire's godson you got rid of. Uh, one of the other one was Carl Lafferty. And you didn't have a striker until January. And you brought in a striker. And to be honest, up until the penultimate game of the season, you, play, you played up or away. If you beat them, you'd have uh, ended second. Mm. But you drew that one. And then you had to beat Aris to stay in the top four. And you lost at home. And they, they overtook. So it was weird. It was weird how the, the, the title went this season. I mean, even Abolon winning the title, they, up until the third from last game in the playoffs, they hadn't won a game. You know, and it, they played up well. They beat them, who were breathing down their neck. And that was practically yeah. it for the, for the title. So it's, it was a very competitive season there, Harry. But we're going we're gonna to bring back This Is Mappa and we're going to put it on this channel, um, our Cypriot 
league review. So I'm looking forward to bringing that back. We've got more. Well, there's a place for me now. to go to keep up to date then, because all I do now is uh, I've got the the app Flash Score. And oh, I just jump on Flash yeah. Score and I check the scores and I look at the table and all of that. But I don't. It's hard, man. I I guess. I don't know about you, but I've got to the point where, listen, I love all football when I, you know, it's, it's a lot. everything. There's a lot. To... <laughs> there's a lot. And, um, and, and I do have days, like, I'm not going to lie now. Like, I have days sometimes, particularly on like Europa Conference League nights or whatever, where I'll go, do you know what? I watched football on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm going to watch yeah. it all weekend. I think I'll have a night off tonight. To, and... to, take, a, to take a line from friends, you're lucky you're not a gynecologist. <laughs> I see one more of those. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's true, but even my my three year old son is is walking around saying, "When are we going to watch football?" Like because that's uh, it's good though. It's, it's good. good in a way, but it just goes to show you that like the brainwashing is real. That's and um, what, need a break my little sometimes. one. She's not she's not too much into football. But she knows about Ammonia. She sings a song. She knows the players as well. She's so yeah. It is what it is. It is what it is. We're we're teaching them well. We're teaching them well. Um. There was one more thing I wanted to ask you before we wrap it up. Um, yeah, sorry, we had, we had a question here, which I'm sorry for ignoring. Uh, do you think Arteta was right to get rid of Aubameyang? I do. Um, I do. And and not because of footballing reasons. I think that, you know, it's, it was clear to see that we could have done with more goals from the striker position. And, you know, some people will argue that that is ultimately one of the reasons that we missed out on the Champions League. I think Lacazette scored three or four league goals over the entire season, which just simply wasn't good enough. But I think what people seem to to overlook with Arsenal is that in order for Arsenal to get back to or close to where they want to be, there needs to be a complete reset. There needs to be a complete stripping back of everything and, and rebuild. And part of that rebuild means you're not going to take any shit from people that are going to jeopardise that rebuild. Mm. And what example does it set to that young group of players that you are basically banking on to deliver us back to where we want to be over the yeah. course of the next few years? If the captain turns up late, um, doesn't care, displays a bad attitude. And, you know, I've I've been told by somebody that was very, very close to the incident that, you know, this wasn't the first, second, third, fourth or even fifth incident involving Aubameyang. This had happened eight, ten times before it got to the point where Mikel Arteta completely banished him and decided that enough was enough and he's not going to be back in the fold and in the setup. And um, and I just think sometimes as a player, you can put a manager in an impossible position because on the one side of it, he's losing a good striker who throughout the years has scored goals. Therefore, he's weakening his team. But if he lets you get away with it, he's undermining himself um in front of the dressing room he's almost sending the message to everybody else that you can get away with that and it's fine and it's acceptable and from what i understand about the abamyang situation the final straw was when he went away to visit his mum and it's not that he went away to visit her because that was sanctioned but it was that he turned up late back and also completely ignored the covid protocol which was at the height of our problems it was right during that period where we had literally no team to put out and, and Mikel Arteta couldn't stomach the fact that he was so irresponsible in the sense of, A, he was late and almost didn't give a shit and just completely went against what the club had allowed him to do. But B, that he would come back without a COVID test, without any of that, and just walked into the training ground and put the situation that was already yeah. 
very bad one sort of put it in danger of becoming worse. And that was the problem. Do you think he felt unbreakable though? And by that, or I should say untouchable. And the reason why I say is I've always believed that because of the relationship that he developed with a certain YouTuber, he was able to get away with a lot because a lot of these toxic supporters, they went on his side because of his friendship with said YouTuber and he got away with it, not from the club, but from the fans or from certain, a lot of fans. Yeah, I think that it was partly that and it was partly what he'd done. You know, he'd, he'd, he'd almost, that FA Cup win uh, for Mikel Arteta, he'd almost established himself as like a bit of a god within the group because he scored two goals in the semi-final against Manchester City, two brilliant goals and two goals in the final against Chelsea and basically single-handedly won Mikel Arteta the FA Cup. So what he did was put himself right at the top of Mikel Arteta's books and and sort of show his... his um importance to the manager, used that to then obviously get that bumper contract, which was crazy money, £350,000 a week. But yeah, um, they paid him a, a Champions League qualification bonus, even though you didn't get in there. Yeah, exactly. Th- th- that's the thing. Th- there was so much desperation to keep him. And Arsenal were so clear and obvious about that, that they almost gave him this feeling that he could do whatever he wanted and as and when he wanted. And I think he struggled with Mikel Arteta then almost turning on him. He was probably thinking, sitting there thinking, hold on a minute, I just won you the FA Cup. You just sanctioned the club giving me a, a deal worth £350,000 a week. Who are you now to come and have a go at me? Like, you've you've betrayed me sort of thing. And he, he almost felt like Mikel Arteta had owed it to him to to take his side or owed it to him to let him get away with certain things. And that's why I'm glad that we've got a manager who doesn't take shit. And sometimes that's going to be to the detriment of the team. Like we saw it for years, you know, Wenger at times used to let players get away with murder because he knew that on the pitch, they would give him something that nobody else could and they would get him over the line more often than not. But when you keep allowing that to happen, you create a rotten culture. And that's exactly what we've had at Arsenal for a number of years. And to think that someone, particularly a first time manager was going to come in and literally correct that within two, three, four, five years. It's completely unrealistic. We've got so many players on the books of that football club that we're trying to sell and nobody's interested in. That we're, we're sitting here saying, well, Torreira's worth 10, 15 million pounds. Guendouzi's worth... Hold on a minute. Everybody and their dog knows that their attitudes are not right. Everybody knows that we don't want them. Everybody knows that they don't want to be with us. And we've set a precedent by terminating people's contracts because of what, that's what's been necessary to get them off the books. So now if you're a club, if you're Fiorentina, for example, looking at Lucas Terreira and Arsenal are telling you he's 15 million euros, you know that if you wait towards the end of the window and the player keeps pushing for it, Arsenal might well say, let's terminate that contract and get him out of here. In which case we're paying again for a mistake that was made way before these guys came in. So there needs to be patience. I think last season showed progress. And I think they've earned the right to to be given the opportunity to to continue on this journey. And fingers crossed, it takes us to where we want to be. Bomba, well, Fila, thank you so much for your time, man. Really, really appreciate it. It's been, it's been absolutely fantastic. We haven't done a stream in a while, man. So it yeah, ages, it's a long time coming. Long time coming. But before I let you go, let our viewers know where they can find you on all sorts of social media platforms, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Thank you so much, man. Really appreciate you having me. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Harry Simi. You can find me on Instagram 
at Harry underscore Simi. I'm even on TikTok now as well, at Harry Simi. I set up yes, I've noticed, a little yes. while ago. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, you can find me on all those things. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll basically see all the things I do and the Chronicles of Aguna. If you're interested in Arsenal at all, or if you just want to support a fellow Gibraltar trying to, uh, trying to make it. it in between cooking chef that years outside and, and all of that business <laughs> playing your bouzouki as well man come on yeah i yeah, didn't even yeah. ask you to get your bouzouki i see I was, I was i was being nice to you today Next you know what come I, on, though. I played for the first time on friday night at an actual event and oh my god i was so rusty been ages <laughs> Been so long and actually get been some so practice long. next time you come on you you play it. you play it. that's Brilliant. it exactly well, thank you so much man. no my pleasure man thank you so much well, boys and girls, thank you for tuning in. Everyone that's been watching live has been great. Um, everyone that's going to be watching it again, or should I say on, the, on YouTube, thank you very much for tuning in. Um, like, subscribe, tell your nunna, because I don't tell mine, I don't talk to her. But yeah, listen, <laughs> before we go, I was going to drop this bomber on, on Instagram, but I'm going to do it right now. See, it's quite fitting that Harry, being an Honorocity fan, this is an Armonia podcast, that our next guest, Used to play for Rotterdam. Used to play for Omonia. Tomorrow night, Gobelia, eight o'clock Cyprus time. We've got Dura on this podcast. Yep, Mikel Duris, my guy, is coming on tomorrow. So get those questions ready. You didn't think that we could do it, huh? We've done it. Bamishilakamu. <laughs>